Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. My name is Luke from Indiana. Smith & Weston recently reported earnings and dropped almost 15% afterwards. So looking at their price-to-earnings ratio, they still look extremely cheap. Just wondering what your guys' opinion was on this. And provides unbiased answers. The highest it's ever been was $39. But when it was making $2.50 before, the highest ever got was 18 That was in 2017. So I don't think you have a lot of upside potential, even though it looks pretty cheap. Invest Talk. Over 36 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Welcome to Invest Talk. I appreciate you being with me today. Um, and it is December 8, 2021. So here on the second in the second week of December, at the end of the year, the market's starting to rally again. We had a pretty good uh, little scare there for a week or so. Uh, but it, it's now back to um, a rally move. We'll see how long that lasts. I don't I don't think it's gonna I don't think the markets are going to crash anytime soon. I don't. So don't. I don't think that's something we need to worry about. I do think it's going to be volatile, you know. And I've been saying that for some time. But it, I think we're going to have some outside volatility here over the next couple of months, three months, maybe maybe longer, maybe into the summer. I don't know. We'll see. So, anyways, we'll think about it. We'll 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 we'll, we'll take what we have to take, and we'll invest accordingly. That's all there is to it. You still have to rebalance your portfolio. You still have to you know, make your best choices you can. And, you know, we, we all do that. And all we have to do is buy companies that make money and consistently can grow their earnings at least somewhat. You know, you, you, yes, the market will rotate into different sectors, and we have to be aware of that. And I, I, I we've seen it. It's not something new. We're starting to see, uh, you know, we saw some very long, strong weakness in small cap growth stocks. Very strong weakness, down about 12, 12.5% if you look at the Russell 2000 index. And, uh, you know, so there, you know, other, other sectors did much better. So there is some kind of sector rotation going on. So we all have to work on our portfolios to safeguard our financial future. So on today's program podcast, we will operate with the same mission statement we do every day, independent thinking and shared success. And of course, we state that to assure you that we will give you facts. You know, uh, on, on our market reporting, on the process we use, anything we can share, we will share with you. You know, this whole show is about educating you, making you a better investor. Will it, will it guarantee you to make money? No, but it'll make you smarter in what you're doing with your money. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, I encourage you to contact me or Justin Klein with any of your financial or investment questions. And yes, you get to shape the show any direction you want, as long as it's financial. In fact, you can call right now. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday, so that means we're live right now. The number never changes. 
888-99-CHART. And if you can't call during the live show, you can always leave the question on the voice bank. 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question. Hi, uh, this is Dan from Walnut Creek, California. And I had a question on dividends. I was wondering, if you reinvest dividends, do you get taxed twice for them, once at the end of the year, and then once when you go and sell that stock? Thank you. No. No. You get taxed by the dividend, and if you reinvest the dividend into more shares, your cost base changes because you're buying more shares at that time of the dividend being issued to you. So your cost base changes for the that purchase. Therefore, if the stock doesn't go up from there, there will be no capital gains from that purchase. If you bought the other shares at a lower price, you'll have capital gains for them. Okay? So, you know, that's that's how that works. You do not get taxed twice. My focus point today is based on a story behind the question, how close is the U.S. economy to normal? So one analyst says consumer service are nearly fully recovered, but the job isn't done yet. So that's my trivia question today. Uh, no, that's uh, that's going to be focused on. But my trivia question today, stock market performance following catch, catastrophic news events. That is coming up halfway point of the program and podcast. So how'd the market do today? Well, you know, not too bad. Uh, after a big day we had yesterday, Dow Jones up 35 points. Okay, the NASDAQ was up 100 points. And the S&P was up 14 points. I think that's pretty good. That's a good follow-through for, you know, for the recent updates we've had. So I'm a little bit optimistic that we'll have a Christmas rally here. So we'll see. That's how the market did today. Okay. What I'm going to talk about on our major talking points, uh, other than the one that I just mentioned, um, I'm going to talk about job openings report that came out this morning. Uh, also, what top economists say what will happen in 2022 for the economy. And finally, what, te- what, what, what does it take, or what did it take, and probably still does, to do business in China? If you're a corporation, you want to do business in China, I want to talk about what Apple had to do in 2015 to do business in China. It's just coming out what they had to do. You'll find that interesting, I think. Okay, we're headed into a break. I always enjoy your calls and questions. The number is 888-99-CHART. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. I'm about P.E. ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. No question is too simple. Wanted to ask about Teladoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast. My wife has a role over 
401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve and Justin are fearless. That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF. Tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm calling with a question on a company for Dwell. The symbol is QDEL. Wanted to get your opinion on what would be a good entry point and what your outlook you think is for the company. I'll be listening to the answer on your podcast. Thanks for all that you do. Okay, Quidel Corporation uh, out of San Diego, California, develops rapid diagnostic diagnostic tests for infectious diseases, women's health, and gastrointestinal diseases. Uh, It's a $5.9 billion company. In 2020, they made $19.92 a share. That's after 2019, making $2.97. So from $2.97 to $19.92. In 2021, they're estimated to make $15.25, so down 25% or so. And then in 2022, go all the way down to $7.10. Okay, so the stock is $142. So does that strike anybody as expensive? Okay, uh, because if you take 142 and divide it by the amount of money they're going to make next year per share, you're going to get a P.E. ratio of 20. Now, that's not neither bad nor good, depending on how much sales growth it's gonna, they're going to get. Now, sales growth in the most recent quarter was up 7%. The quarter before that, it was down 12%. But that's kind of expected because they had a huge growth a year ago, you know, because of the COVID. Remember what they do, develop rapid diagnostic tests. Okay, so uh, so at $7, is it worth 20 PE, $7.10 per share worth it? I think the growth is going to return to a more normal 7 to 12%. So it seems kind of expensive to me. But the return equity is very good at 92%. Cash flow is very good. Management owns 3%. And mutual funds are selling it. More than 15% of the mutual funds have sold out of it. So I don't think I would be a buyer of this. It's, just, it's a good company, but not good based on the price. Let's go to Fred in Washington, D, Washington State. How you doing, Fred? Hi, how you doing? Good. Hi, Steve. I had a question about uh, Aspen Technologies, Technologies, AZPN. Uh-huh. Uh, you think about buying it, or do you already own it? 
I was thinking about buying it. Okay, let's see. Uh, Aspen Technologies, everybody, out of uh, Bedford, Massachusetts, develops engineering, plant operations, supply chain management, and software applications. I kind of like that technology. I kind of like that area because a lot of money is going to go into the area that this company will be supporting with what with its products. So I like that. They're going to make they're going to make five dollars and twenty two cents next year, five dollars and two cents this year. After making $5.20 last year. And last year was uh, their best year up to that year. And then next year is going to be a better year than that. So pretty solid numbers. It's a $148 stock. So you need a lot of growth, sales growth. That's what to, to support that kind of high value. Because you're looking at a stock that's running, you know, what, 27%? 27 PE, pretty high. Uh, good, very good return on equity of 56%. Good cash flow. Management owns 1%. Mutual funds are buyers of this one. I think they like what it, where it is too, the engineering part and, app and management software. I think they like that. Um, I think their sales are probably going to go up with the, the uh, recent package sp- uh, passed by Congress to spend more money, trillions. Uh, so I think it deserves a high P.E., but I also think it's kind of at the upper end of that PE. I don't know if it, I don't know if it has that much more upside potential. That would be my only, only concern. Looks really good, but I don't know how much upside potential it could be. So you, you can buy some, but just know that you know you you have to expect higher growth. It has to have higher growth. Anyways, good question, Brent. A good stock, good company. My, my focus point today is based on the story behind the question. How close is the U.S. economy to normal? How close is it? Do you have a clue? Well, I think it's pretty close, but there are certain areas that are not. Okay? Uh, for instance, uh, the outlook, the economic outlook, uh, probably this fourth quarter is going to have a, a jump in GDP, probably around to about 55 6%. Uh, but you got to remember that it had a pretty weak Q3. But I think it's going to be a big, much better Q4, despite the supply chain troubles that we've had. Many economists are thinking next year is about 4% GDP. So less than, probably less than this year. But um, consumer services is nearly fully recovered. That's done very, very nice. Okay, the job market is a different problem. It isn't recovering as fast as everybody expected. Uh, we're having, you know, you have, you know, I know the unemployment rate is low, but you got to remember, first of all, the government doesn't, never, never has counted it correctly. I like to look at the labor participation rate of our labor force. How many, what percentage is back to work? And we're two plus percentage points below normal. And that's millions of jobs. We have 11 million jobs reported this morning for last month, 11 million jobs available. That's up from 10.5 or so, 11, you know, uh, I think it's it was up from last month. So it's really, you know, we still have slack in our employment, but people don't want to go back to work, can't go back to work, not train for whatever they want to go. I don't know. But the quit rate, quit rate, the rate that people are quitting 
is also still elevated, meaning people are willing to quit their job because there's plenty of other jobs to get. Of course, that goes to inflation because they're not going to quit one job and go to another job for less salary or less benefits or, you know, they're, they only quit because they think they can do better. So I think they're going to have some more inflation, wage inflation. But we're not back to normal, but we're getting there. Let's just put it that way. We're getting there. We're moving into a break, and I'm here now and taking your calls live. This is how you shoot, you shape the, call show, the show, not me, by your live calls. So make a call. Make, have a question. 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stock at a certain price. What's your question? Would you recommend to put all my funds right away in the market, or you recommend dollar cost average? Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99Chart. Hello, Stephen Justin. I was wondering your thoughts on VSAIX, the Vanguard Small Cap Value Index Admiral, what you thought of it as a purchase right now. I'm not a very experienced investor trying to move away from some individual stocks that I've bought and trying to just get a mix of index funds in my portfolio and came across this one, thought it looked quite good. I did have a call with Steve who suggested that small cap might be a way to go right now and I know that you guys have been talking about value for a long time. So just wanted to get your thoughts. Thanks so much. No, I like the small cap value stocks, which is what this is. This is a, a mutual fund, Vanguard Small Cap Value Index. So I like the value part. Small stocks are usually more volatile, but they also go up much faster and they also go down much faster. But value tends to hold up better than growth. So if we're going to get another Christmas rally, if we're going to get a Christmas rally, this should do well. But it has already done very well since the COVID thing. So, I mean, it's moved from, what, $32 now to uh, uh, $32 now to 76 And it was up 3.73% today. So, yeah, I kind of I like the value part. But don't put all your money in it. But, you know, you should have some exposure to this. I do think you should. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, everybody. Let's make it two in a row. Here's a call that came in earlier. My name is Luke from Indiana. Smith & Weston recently reported earnings and dropped almost 15% afterwards. But looking at their price-to-earnings ratio, they still look extremely cheap. Just wondering what your guys' opinion was on this. Thank you. Let's take a look. Let's see. Uh, SWBI. Okay, Smith & Wesson, of course, are the handgun company, manufactures firearms, including revolvers, revolvers pistols, rifles, firearm-related products, and accessories. Okay, because, of course, the, all the, uh, with all the inner-city turmoil and riots and all that stuff, you know, gun sales shot up. Uh, in 2021, they went up to $4.55 per share when it was only $0.68 cents per share before that. 
Uh, this year they're going to be four dollars and twenty nine cents, but next year they expected to cut you know cut way back to two dollars and eighty eight cents. So there's your problem. It, the earnings are going down, sales are no longer growing; they're flattening out. So uh, therefore, you know you can't expect a very high P. So how much is two dollars and eighty eight cents per share worth? And that's based on next year's earnings, not this year's, next year's. Remember, in the stock market, you always look forward. And that's it's just an estimate. I realize that. It's not the fact. It's the estimate. But would you give it a 10 PE because the growth rate is no longer there? Okay, give it a 10, 10 PE. That means a $28 stock is selling for $17.85 now. Return on equity is 77%. Pays a small dividend at 1.8%. Uh, mutual funds have been slowly buying it over the years. Management, uh, it, it, oh, management owns two percent. Uh, I, I think, I mean, the stock has never gotten over the highest it's ever been was thirty nine dollars. But when it was making two dollars and fifty cents before, the highest it ever got was eighteen. That was in two thousand seventeen. So I don't think you have a lot of upside potential, even though it looks pretty cheap. I don't think you do. So when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them by with a courtesy answering their question right away. So here's one that came in from KC59. I have a position in SHIP. That's P as in Paul. SHIP. Don't want to stutter over that one. Um, that's C, C Energy Maritime Holdings. And would like to know your opinion on how the stock has been hanging at 90 cents to to the high 80s cents for a few weeks. Now I'm looking for it to be a long-term hold. Okay. It's a penny stock. Engaged in the transportation dry bulk cargoes through the ownership operation of 11 dry bulk carriers. Uh... That very erratic in sales year to year to year, very erratic in in earnings. Matter of fact, earnings they have not had any earnings, and it's estimated to make twenty nine twenty eight cents this year for the first time, and forty one cents next year. So, uh, it's 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 a very risky play. It's a hundred eighty three million dollar company, meaning it's really really small, so it's easy to manipulate. It's not something I would buy. It's probably worth more than selling at a dollar seven right now. You, you know, your note says ninety cents. Well, this is how fast it was. It, it went up twenty percent today. That's how fast these things move. These penny stocks. So, I'm not really interested in this kind of company. It's too small for me. Man, uh, management owns five percent, which to me, you should be owning more than that. Yesterday was the 80th anniversary of the Japanese attack on the U.S. Naval Base, Pearl Harbor, in Hawaii. The stock market was closed on that day of the attack, but it opened the next day. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question. In the first two days that followed the Pearl Harbor attack, how much do you suppose the Dow Jones Industrial, the Dow, fell? And what kind of returns were generated for a person who purchased U.S. blue chip stocks and held them Till the end of 1945, five years later, four plus years later, when World War II ended. At the break, I'll supply the answer, but for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage you to give me a call. 888-99-CHART. 
I've got a question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term. Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I gave you a trivia question. In the first two days that followed the Pearl Harbor attack, how much do you suppose the Dow Jones average fell? And what kind of returns would you have generated if you would have kept, uh, bought the market at that time and held it till 1945 when the war ended, World War II ended? And history has recorded that at 7.48 a.m. Hawaiian time on Sunday, December 7, 1941, Japanese armed forces attacked the U.S. with 353 Imperial Japanese fighter planes, bombers, and torpedo planes launched from six aircraft carriers. 353 planes. 
The first session after the attack was on Monday, stock market session, December 8th. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 6.3% over Monday and Tuesday. Not very much, really. Think about it. 6.3% for, um, you know, bombing the heck out of uh, Pearl Harbor and all the shipping there. Despite a short recovery attempt thereafter, the index was under pressure until the U.S. Navy victory of the Battle of the Coral Sea in early May 1942, which gave confidence in the investing community that a resolution may be close to hand. There is nothing. There is another perspective to the stock market performance. A report quoting uh, Ibsen Associates of Chicago said, a person who bought U.S. blue chips and held them till the end of 1945 when the World War was ended would have generated a return of excess of 25% annually. Annually. Not bad. Not bad. What does that tell you? You should tell you, and I've told you a bazillion times on this show, you buy in the depths of a recession when the stock market is just the worst it could be. You buy it. Don't don't run from it. Buy it. Dave Cleveland. How you doing, Dave? You want to talk about Kellogg? Is that K for Kellogg? How you doing? Good. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Steve. You're welcome. I'm, I'm looking at a, a stock, Kellogg's, for a long-term uh-huh. play, uh, symbol of K, and I'm looking for, like, a long-term uh, hold. Okay. Uh, your thoughts and a good buy and a good buy-in point. Okay, I think it's a pretty good buy-in point right here at sixty-two dollars and two cents a share, and I'll tell you why. Their high uh, in the past has been about seventy-four dollars a share. Their low about fifty-one dollars a share. Okay, and I'm going all the way back to two thousand fourteen. Earnings back in two thousand fourteen was three dollars and eighty-one cents, and then fifteen three fifty-nine, then four dollars four thirty-four, three ninety-four, four oh two. This year, 414, and next year, 418. So it's at the high end, high end. Uh, this matter of fact, it would be the highest earnings this year than it has since 2014, and even higher next year. Well, not quite. I take that back. 2018 was higher. Anyways, well, 2018, stock was at $74. $74. So what I'm telling you is at 62, the stock is probably underpriced a little, it is a very good value stock. It trades around 15 PE very consistently over the decades, and it pays a 3.7% dividend. So you're likely to get, you know, maybe up to 70, 75 on the price of stock. And while you're waiting for that, you're going to get 3.7% dividend. So, you know, it's a, it's a good solid company, good solid blue chip, 21 billion company. And it, it is going to be pretty, pretty, Pretty durable even in a recession because people still buy food. So I, I kind of like it. They appreciate the call. Uh, he's from Cleveland. That was Kellogg. K is a symbol, everybody. 888-99 chart. Okay. This morning, job openings report came out. 11 million uh, versus 10.6 the month before. They expected 10.6, but there's 11 million. Quit rate, as I mentioned before, at 4.2 million, uh, went down from 4.4 million. So we have lots of jobs out there, according to just today's stats. Okay, so what do the top economists say will happen in 2022? What's going to happen next year for the economy? 
they, in general, I'm, you know, this is a survey of a bunch of economists. In general, they think inflation is going to ease, which we've mentioned before. Uh, they think uh, they're going to, we're going to have slow, slower, not slow, but slower economic growth. Goldman Sachs, for instance, says it's going to be about 3.8% next year, while B of A, Bank of America, thinks it's going to be about 4%. Now, our long-term average is closer to 3%. This year, it's probably going to be, remember, we had a bad Q3, but I think we're going to have a pretty good Q4. We had a very good Q1 and Q2. So we're going to be around, what, 5.25 to 5.75, somewhere in that range for this year. So, therefore, it's going to be less, according to these guys, next year. But not bad. Not bad. So, you can't think in terms that, oh, geez, the economy's going to slow way down. No, it's not. It's not going to slow way down. It's not. It's just going to slow. Um, you know, um, remember, the government is spending a ton of money, ton of money to ensure that the economy will not sink into a recession anytime soon. At the same time, the Federal Reserve wants to start cutting back their QE by buying less bonds. Not not buying bonds, but just buying less that they have been buying and leaving the interest rates alone. And there are some economists that think they should keep buying as many bonds as they were, but increase the interest rate because of inflation. They're worried about the inflation. And the question is, is which no one listening to this radio probably remembers, we've had stagflation once. Stagflation. That's where inflation is, is higher than the growth of GDP, meaning we don't, we're stagnant. There's really no growth in the economy because inflation eats it all up. Stagflation. We had that once in my history when I was young. In my 20s. So uh, it's a it's an odd situation. Does a mar- stock market crash? Not necessarily. But it doesn't, it's not that great either. But inflation does not stop stock prices. It does not slow down corporate earnings. It's only out of control inflation that does that. Because corporations keep up with it by increasing their prices. Two... So as you know, Justin and I welcome live calls, but we always find time to blend in call questions that came in on, earlier on our 24-hour listener line. We call it the voice bank. 888-99-CHART is a number. It's always the same number, always. So let's play one of those. Hi, my name is Brandon, and uh, I just started my investing, mainly Roth IRAs for me and my wife, but I also have about a $20,000 account that I'm kind of dabbling in. My question is, I made a lot of gains off of the 2020 lows, and now I'm switching to more of a, like, three ETFs, three stocks, like Microsoft, like kind of safer stocks. I have a 20-year horizon, and my question is simply, you know, since my retirement's so far out, how do I deal with the ups and downs? Like, it's been a very volatile year, and, like, I believe today it's like 3% down. How do I, you know, the mindset of, not looking or just, you know, just keep investing and don't worry about the today's climate necessarily invest for the future. Thank you. Okay, that's an excellent question because the biggest problem most people have is they let fear and greed control their decisions. And many people don't even think they're doing that, but they are doing it. When I say fear and greed, they feel, 
what happens is that your 401k, your IRA goes down 50%. Fear sets in and they tend to sell. And this is not something I'm making up. There's been study after study proving this. Then after the market recovers quite a bit, they tend to get back in. What are you doing? You're selling low and buying high. You're doing just the opposite of what you should do in the stock market. So one of the solutions is don't ever sell. Just stay in the market. If you're a long-term investor, you can just stay in the market, buy indexes, and just hold on, and you'll be fine. Now, as you get closer to retirement, you might want to be a little bit sharper by maybe spreading out into different asset classes, uh, bonds, and particularly to you know spread your risk. Okay, but it really comes down from the onset. Well, how risky do you want to be? If you want to take full stock market risk, what you do, buy an index and just stay the course. Now, if you have the ability, when the market is high, like it has been, produce some cash, and then the next recession, dump all that money back in. If you can do that when the market has crashed, you'll be much better off. Most people can't do it. The market's crashed. Oh, my God, I can't get in the market. It's crashed. It's still crashing. How far do I? Maybe it goes down to zero. The uh, fear sets in. Now, when the market's high, everybody gets greedy. For instance, you said you had a really good return from last year. What are you doing? You probably should take some of that off the table a little bit. You know, at least a very, very least, rebalance into more uh, defensive-type positions, maybe, maybe some commodity stocks, you know, Maybe get out of your high growth positions, you know, but then you're going to have to know what, know how to do, you're going to have to learn how to manage your portfolio. And if you can't do that or don't have the time to do that or don't want to do that, just stay in the indexes. You'll be fine. Especially if you're in a 401k and money keeps coming in and you keep having money to invest, you know, you can just keep investing right through the crash. You want to crash because then you get to buy things on sale. If you're a long-term investor. Okay. Okay, so, you know, the counter makes it clear we're moving quickly to the end of 2021 at this point. It's obvious. So, what should you be doing? You should be taking a look at your tax loss selling, rebalancing your portfolio. You should be doing that now. So, uh, that might that leads me into the benefits of being one of our clients. Uh, so, we will be happy. We do that for our clients every year. We're doing it now. You know what's what should we do? We had big discussion on this yesterday with uh, uh, me, Justin, and a couple of other the money managers we have in the office of what should we do? What uh, what is our next step? How should we treat this? You know, different positions we have that we have talks losses in, and how many gains do we? Pr- trigger for our clients and how to do that. You need to do that. And if you don't know how to do that, we will happy be happy to help you. We'll be happy to take a look at your portfolio to help you balance it. You know, one thing we do, we, one of the reasons I do this is because I need to do it for myself. We practice what we call parallel investing, meaning I invest in the same stocks and same funds, same bonds as my clients. So if I, I don't want to pay taxes, I want to pay, pay as little as I legally can pay. So how can I offset my tax burden? And since I do the same thing for everybody else, I'm doing it for myself. 
So if you need some help, want us to take a look at your portfolio, give us a call, go send us an email from investor.com, call our Irvine, California offices. We'll be happy to do it. You know, we really do want to help you. We'll help you. We will help. Uh, it's some, you know, you'd be surprised how many questions we get. People just need some answers because they don't know where else to talk to. Who else will answer it? Who's going to help them without being a bias, without trying to sell them something? That's, you know, that's hard. Okay, next up, we have another question. An unbiased answer will be forthcoming. So I'll play it here for you in 30 seconds. Hang on. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99 Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Andy from Atlanta, calling about an ETF that I have, PDBC. It's an OK1 ETF, and it's going south. I thought it should be going the other way with all the news of inflation. Uh, Can you take a look at the fundamentals of this thing? Is there any reason why it's gone down almost 5%? But I'm curious what your take is on this. It's PDBC. I appreciate you, and I love the show. Thank you. Bye. Okay, this is the ETF Seeking Investment in Commodity-Linked Futures and Other Financial Instruments that Provide ec- Economic Something. And they cut it off. I don't know why. But it's a, it is a, a, a ETF, Exchange-Traded Fund, linked to commodity futures. Now, every ETF, every mutual funds this time of year have to pay capital gains taxes. I'm suspecting the fall, and it, it fell hard, uh, not today, it was up today, but it fell hard yesterday, and I'm wondering why, because it shouldn't, but remember, they're dealing with futures too, which is much more volatile, so they're not actually buying companies, they're buying futures of companies in the commodity space, so uh, I don't know, I'm Try to see what the news was, and I can't pull it up quick enough to give me an answer. So I, I don't know, but something happened yesterday, and it could be that. Uh, when you own an ETF or a mutual fund, you have to pay capital gains on all the capital gains it incurred. And if it's a very, uh, very uh, active traded fund like this would be, the capital gains could be horrendously high. And you have to pay taxes on them, and they would do how they do that is they reduce the, the amount of the ETF by the amount of taxes per share they have to pay. That's how they do it. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in 888 99 chart. Just wondering what your thoughts are on all the Robinhood trading and the, the Red Hat boards. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. 
So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. The InvestTalk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, Doug from Missouri. Really appreciate and enjoy the show. Thanks for all you guys do. Hope you guys have a great holiday. Stock I want to ask you guys about is EQT, Edward Queen Tom, the EQT Corporation as a play on natural gas. Love to hear what you guys think of it. Thank you guys. Bye. Okay, real quick, I tried to look at the break at that previous question. Invesco Opportunity Yield Commodity, the ETF PDBC, why it fell so hard. All I found was it was crowded selling. I couldn't find any reason for it other than it was um, a bunch of people selling. So it might be an opportunity. But you really want to do some more research on that. Okay, EQT. EQT is engaged in exploration, production, and distribution of natural gas oil to wholesale retail customers. Well, first I want to know how much is there, how much is natural gas, how much is oil uh, in their in their mix of you know products. And I will say that in recent quarters sales fell almost a thousand percent. That's very distur- distressing, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just feel something's not right there. Um, why sales fall so hard? What's wrong with this picture? You're going to have to do some more. I'm going to do some more research on this. It's a $20.97 stock. Uh, they don't pay a dividend. Uh, management owns 1%. Um they're going to make $2.25 a share into a $20 stock, so it's under 10 PE based on next year's earning. But they lost nine, $0.19 cents a share in 2020. Okay, this year they're going to make a $1.05, next year $2.25. So the prospects going forward look good, but I need to do a lot more research. I can't – there's too much going on here for me to make a quick snap judgment about this company. Why are the sales going down? Earnings going up. I want to know why is that. Uh, what is their mix of between natural gas and oil that they're producing and selling? Where are they producing it from? They're out of Pittsburgh, the company is. So where is that coming from, their oil and gas? There's too many questions. It's hard for me to answer that question. I can tell you it looks like a low price based on earnings, but but if sales are going down so sharply the last couple of three quarters, three quarters in a row, why? That's an issue I'm not comfortable with. Okay, what does it take to do business in China? In 2015, Apple, Apple Computer, made a deal with China for Apple to sell their products in China for the next five years. So what that did, the deal let them... Uh, 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 the deal was an agreement that China would would uh, squash a couple, a number of regulatory actions against them. They would get rid of those. China would just dismiss them. But what did they? What else did Apple do? What did Apple do to get that done? And what else did they have to do? It was a two hundred seventy-five billion dollar deal, by the way, in two thousand fifteen. Okay, uh, Apple had to invest and building new retail outlets. Had to, required to. Not necessarily Apple 
retail outlets, other retail outlets, stores, research. They had to they had to invest in different stores. They had to invest in research development centers, and they had to invest in renewable energy projects. And that wasn't that. That's not the end. They also promised to uh, uh, use more Chinese components in their products uh, using Chinese suppliers. They also agreed to have direct investments in the Chinese companies and also collaborate with uh, on technology with Chinese universities. The deal was worth $275 billion. Now, I will say this. We do some of this. Our country does the same thing in some ways, but not nearly as blatant and as onerous as China does. This, remember, this is how China does business. we got to be very careful. They are very heavy competitors of us. And for years, we just treat it as not a problem. It is a problem. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein, I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. So get yours anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Your positive rating raises our profile. That's what we like about it. And if you don't give us a positive rating, that will probably lower our profile. Well, that's up to you. But we will give you, uh, we'll answer your question real fast if you do it. You can ask us a question. We'll do. Independent thinking, share success. This is the best talk. Enjoy your evening, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.